Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Okay. So let me open in prayer, and then we can uh, get back into our study on Matthew. Father Yahuwah, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for another wonderful Shabbat, a day that you've given us to, and we delight to enter into it. And Father, we look forward to hearing from you, understanding and being able to grow closer to you, Father. And Father, we ask, will you empower us with your spirit so that we may overcome all things that are before us and become more and more like, um, like your son, Yahshua, who you, you desire us to be, Father, and we desire the same as well. So thank you again. Be with us today as we are, are here and help your words and the, the words of your son penetrate us and change us. Father, we thank you. Amen. All right. Well, I'm glad all of you are here today. It's awesome. As you know, we're in. Uh, we're continuing in the book of Matthew. We're gonna. Uh, we're in chapter 21 now, and we're just kind of. We're just going at it at whatever pace that we're going at it. You know. So, um, what I what I've been uh, uh, kind of changing one particular thing up is. Um, give me like the first half to get through some stuff, okay, and then I'll open it up for discussion. Um, I just I'm finding that's better that way. Uh, it's more focused on certain things, and uh, and after that being said, we do have a mic. And I think John has it. So later on, if you have any comments, just raise your hand. John will come over to you, and we just ask that the comments will be on point of what we're talking about and and brief as well. So. Uh, chapter 21, uh, we're going to enter into Jerusalem today, okay? Um, let me give you some background. It's Nisan 10, and okay, Messiah's entering in Jerusalem. Uh, it's Nisan 10, and in three days it will be Passover, okay? The, the city would be really starting to fill up at this point, so it gives you kind of mental picture. Um, by now, I think some people knew who he was, but I think there's still others kind of maybe heard or whatever. So you got that going around, you know, who's this, you know, some would have heard about this prophet from Nazareth um, and uh, in some of the things that he was doing, you know, and then some, I think maybe wasn't too clear or didn't, and it, Messiah is a new thing possibly to them. We don't know because remember his, his ministry was for the most part, up north in the Galilee area. He never really came down to Jerusalem except for when um, the Jordan River when he was baptized, as far as I can tell, and for the feast. Other than that, he hung up north, okay? It's this, this is the first recorded trip in Matthew then that he's coming down. So, Yeah. <laughs> So this is uh, so that gives you some kind of a background uh, of the city situation that's going on. So let's continue then. Matthew twenty-one verse one, and when they came near to Jerusalem, 
and, uh, and came to a Beth Peg, Peggy, Pagi, I'm not sure on that one, at the Mount of Olives, then uh, Yeshua sent out uh, two taught ones, two of his disciples, he sent out, saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and straightway you will find a donkey and a colt with her, with her, loosen them and bring them to me. And if anyone says whatever to you, you shall say, the master needs them, and immediately he shall send them. And all this took place that might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your sovereign, your king, is coming to you, meek and, uh, and sitting on a donkey, even a colt and a foal of a donkey. And the taught ones went, and having done as Yahshua ordered them, they brought the donkey and the colt and laid their garments on them, and he sat on them. And most, and, um, and most of the crowd spread their garments on the way, while others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the way. Now, this prophet that's being mentioned is Zechariah, and Zechariah 9.9 to be specific. So we'll take a look at that here. So let me finish up this section. And the crowds, uh, the crowds who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna. To the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahuwah, Hosanna in the highest. And he entered into Jerusalem. All the city was stirred, saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is Yeshua, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And Yeshua went into the set-apart place of Elohim and drove out all those buying and selling in the set-apart place and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It has been written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. So that's the section that we're going to talk about. Uh, what a scene, actually, huh? If you start really thinking about that in the background. I am... I also heard that it is said that Yeshua could have been following the procession of the lambs that were being brought into Jerusalem for Passover at that time, too. I don't know if that's 100% true, but it, it's kind of a nice picture, okay? Whether it is or not, it's still a nice picture in that sense. Because what they would do, and the same thing that happened to Yeshua that we'll see in coming further, is they would bring those lamb in, because remember, this is all based on Exodus in that feast, bring that lamb into your house, check for blemishes, make sure it's a healthy one and a good one, an acceptable one, right? So that I think they would do the same thing for the lambs that would be sacrificed for all of Israel, so all the people and whoever could make sure that, you know, the priest or whoever was in charge wasn't trying to get one of those lame suckers in there because <laughs> that's just not what you want, to, you want to give your best, right? And so the same thing with Yahshua. If we're going to consider him the Lamb of God, we see also that's what happened to him. He was on, he was, before he had his major trial, he was on this public trial looking. They were looking, what are you teaching? Is it matching up to the scripture, you know? And who is this guy? And are you really such and such? Or did you have this authority on and on? So he was scrutinized as well from the common people to 
all the way to even the, uh, the other nations, let's say the Romans as well, okay? Um, but as we progress in the story, we can look at that later. So, so let's start looking at the quote from Zechariah 9.9. There is more to this quote um, if we continue reading in Zechariah, okay? Really, there's a lot going on here, but just a few things I do want to look at in particular. So, Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice, O greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. See, your sovereign is coming to you. He is, he, he, he is righteous and endowed with deliverance, humble and riding a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. And I shall cut off the chariot of Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. And his rule is from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. Also you, because of the blood of your covenant, I shall send your prisoners out of the pit. So, What's interesting that, that I found in the past, and we have to keep this in mind, anywhere that, especially with, let's say, especially with New Testament, okay, when they're quoting a little verse or whatever, you have to understand what's before it and what's after it. It's just not about that one little verse, okay? So we get more of an understanding what's behind this verse in Zechariah. So here's some of the interesting things I would like to point out. Rabbinic uh, commentary unanimously interprets Zechariah 9.9 as a messianic prophecy, okay? So I did find that out. So it's a very important quote, okay, that the, the writers or Matthew wants to bring, bring, bring forth. Almost now, the, this is actually of all things, this is what I'm going to focus on, okay? Almost every donkey reference in Scripture, the rabbis view as a subtle allusion to the coming of the Messiah, okay? And what you'll see, how I lay this out is actually how I study. So I'm, I'm hoping it's, I, I try my best to make it so it flows because uh, I come across a lot, a lot of information. It's like, okay, what to share, what not to share. So, and of all things, the donkey stood out to me, okay? It really did. Okay, and, I, and as I go through, I'll show you, and, and I think it's kind of important. So I don't want to talk about the donkey reference here, but first, some other interesting things to be made aware of that stand out in this prophecy in Zechariah. So, whoops, let me, I have a list of things that are here. So if we look at Zechariah, we see it's about a future king. Okay? He is righteous. Now, if he is righteous, that means he will be following what? Torah. Exactly. And teaching it as well. Right? He has deliverance. That's salvation. He's humble and riding on a donkey, and more on that later. And then verse 10, okay, this is my personal opinion in some ways, and maybe... Here, I'll maybe get a little bit, uh, if you have any comments. And, but verse 10, I believe, the, is future still. Because we have this idea, 
cutting off the chariot. That means like no war, if I'm understanding the text. Okay, so if he's cutting off the chariot, there's no war. Um, then others, uh, he's offering shalom to all the nations. That's here as well. And that's just not necessarily peace, but we've, we, I think we, a lot of us have that understanding. It's that wholeness. Do you want to be whole? This offers to the nations as well. Okay? Zechariah 14, 16 um, uh, has this as we go later on in Zechariah. And it shall be that all who are left from all the nations or the goyim which come up against Jerusalem shall go up year to year and bow themselves to the sovereign Yahuwah of hosts and observe the Feast of Booths. So you can see, to me, it seems to be um, there's a lot of future things yet here. But yet, Messiah, we see that Yahshua, he's offering that to the nations as well. Whether they, you know, even John the Baptist, for that matter, the kingdom is at hand. <laughs> you know, it's there. Whomsoever, we've heard that, whomsoever will take up this. All right? So that's kind of interesting that we have to put in place with this, um, with this prophecy, with Yeshua coming in and why Matthew mentioned it, okay? There's more here. And then it goes on to say, okay, his kingdom will last forever to the ends of the earth. That's pretty impressive, okay? Because all the other kings of Israel, okay, that just didn't happen, right? They came and gone, came and gone. Okay, now if that wasn't enough, then we have this concept, the blood of your, of your uh, covenant frees those, this is how I would understand it. It says, because of the blood of your covenant, I shall send your prisoners out of the pit. Okay, so how I would understand this, so this, this blood of this covenant shall um, free those from death and from being dead. So it's like a present and a future at the same time. And to me, that's resurrection language. Okay? So that's what I would see behind this. And that's pretty, pretty heavy. Okay? Um, now I want to focus on the donkey of all things, like I was saying. Crazy. I know it's crazy, but it's kind of cool. Well, I, I did learn a lot about donkeys <laughs> I did, uh, this week, and it was interesting. Some I will share, um, even though it might not have, how do I say this? It might not have anything to do with this prophecy specifically or what we're talking about, but I think the background of it will help um, in other parts of Scripture when you read it just in general, okay? It gives this maybe a little bit of a cultural thing behind this as well. And why maybe a donkey was uh, obviously for the prophecy, but is there more? Is there more that we could go and gather and bring along as well? We all know the famous donkey. What's that most famous donkey that you know in the Bible? Yeah, the one that spoke, okay? So now there are other appearances of donkeys and mules, and we'll, we'll look at just a few of them. When I... Uh, what I want to do is look at some similarities with 
ultimately the similarities with Yahshua's entry into Jerusalem um, with the appearance of a mule, okay, and King Solomon's coronation of becoming king, okay? But in order to do that, we have to go backtrack and look at some of these references, and then we'll rush forward, hopefully, depending on how far we get, and like put them together and maybe get, you know, a deeper understanding of a background, maybe what was what's going on, okay? So remember the rabbi saw the subtle allusion to the coming of the Messiah when donkeys was present in some places, not all, but some places in the text. Here are some examples in the Bible why I would agree with that, okay? So, did you know, remember, a donkey was present at the binding of Isaac? All right? So, I don't, I'm not going to give you all the verses, but that, that was the case, too. He went with his two sons, stay here, and he had some of the young lads stay with the donkey. The donkey, I, I'm assuming, would be carrying the burden that, for the sacrifice. And we know all that binding of Isaac was a picture of Messiah that we, we see happen, let's say, in the New Testament as well. Okay? So, so what it was... Uh, Genesis, oh, I do have the, uh, where it was. Genesis 23.3, And Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and they split the wood for the burnt offerings and arose and went to the place which Elohim had commanded him. And on the third day, that's kind of interesting, the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from a distance. So Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey while the boy and I go over there to worship and come back to you. So, and again, there's a lot here as well, but just focusing on the presence of a donkey. A donkey is associated uh, with the firstborn, and that's spoken uh, twice in Exodus, Okay. You shall pass over to Yahweh every opening of the womb, every firstborn that comes from your livestock, the males uh, belonging to Yahuwah. And this was all, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? This was all a memorialization of them coming out of Egypt as well, which is Passover, where we find Messiah in three days is going to participate in the most awesome way that we could never participate in that feast. But every firstborn of a donkey, you are to ransom with a lamb. And if you do not ransom it, then you shall break its neck. And the firstborn of every man among you, your sons, you are to ransom. Then in Exodus 34, 19, reads pretty much a word for word the same way. But then towards the end, it says, every firstborn of your sons you shall ransom, and then you shall not appear before me empty-handed. Okay? Now, I don't know what exactly all this means here. Okay? But in time, maybe I believe the Father will answer because he's, he's usually pretty good with me, and I'm sure he's good with you if you're steadfast with a question and you stick to it. So... So, but uh, but if, quickly, if there's anyone else that has any little insight on this idea, what's going on here? Just raise your hand. 
If not, we can move on. So, I wasn't going to do this at first. I was back and forth last night, okay? And I was like, okay, is this too much of a, a trail? But I couldn't resist, okay? There is a bizarre story, okay, that has a donkey in it, and it's found in First Kings, okay? Um, it's bizarre in a different way with Balaam in the talking, because I know talking donkey, that's kind of out there as well, all right? But this one I thought is interesting. So I'm not going to read it. I'm going to just go through and give you the highlights. I went through my notes and give you the highlights of this story, okay? Again, it's in 1 Kings uh, uh, 13, uh, 1 begins. So... Oh, I had this note, you know, another thing as I was going through here. Sometimes what's important in Scripture, it's not what is actually written, okay? It's kind of what's not there seems to be just as important what is written sometimes, okay? So the, the background of this story, the background, um, it's the time of Jeroboam, the, the first king of the northern kingdom, that is right after the split of the unified kingdom under Solomon, okay? Um, not, going in, uh, not going to read it all, but, um, but here's like all of it in a nutshell again. An unnamed prophet, only known as the man of Elohim, is called from Judah to the southern kingdom, or called from Judah, the southern kingdom, okay? To cry out against the altar that Jeroboam made, in Bethel, okay, and that's the northern kingdom, okay? The northern kingdom retained the name of Israel or the house of Israel. The man of Elohim um, uh, gave a sign to Jeroboam, okay, and, and then he uh, gave a sign to show that there was authority behind what he was saying, okay? And then I know Jerry, Jerry, if I get off here, you let me know if I don't got my history all right, okay? So the man of Elohim gives a sign to show that he was from Yahuwah, and the king didn't like what he heard, okay? So the king Jeroboam put forth his hand to have the prophet seized, but the king's uh, hand seized up and, instead, and he couldn't move it, okay? Uh, he spoke to the prophet to pray that his hand would uh, be restored, um, and then he did, and then it was restored. Uh, but the altar split and the ashes poured out. What is kind of interesting? I saw this last night in a sense. Okay, the altar split and the ashes fall out. That was one. Of, that was some of what this man of Elohim, the un, this unnamed prophet, was speaking out to what Jeroboam just built. Because it was in Bethel and Dan, correct, Jerry, where he built these two uh, altars, right? So this one was the closest to Judah, okay? Not the, yeah. Actually, yeah, it sounds like it is, it's pretty close. So, so uh, uh, other things that would happen with this altar, something about later on in Jeroboam's lineage, he would get some of his family, some of his dead relatives and burn their bones or something to that effect, okay? You'll have to read, there's a lot more here. But, uh, but I thought it's kind of interesting that this altar was split and the ashes poured out. 
if we jump to New Testament time, do you remember in the temple when Messiah died, what happened? Do you recall something in the temple? Just yell it out. The curtain, yes, it ripped from where? Up, down. Yes, so I thought that was this joke. Top to the bottom. So, I don't know. Is there, is there a connection? I don't know, but... It, okay, let's make it. It's a connection. We have two agreeing with me and others shaking their heads. Okay, so, so as we go on with the story... Oh, so the king had uh, a, a change of mind and um, change of mind, okay, after this, well, I would hope he would change his mind after his hands stiffened up and all this. So the king did have a change of mind and asked this man of Elohim to accept the gift and stay for dinner. The man of Elohim was commanded not to eat bread in that place and return a different way, okay? So... Obviously, uh, being this good prophet right here at this point, he did not eat, and he went another way home, okay, just as he was commanded. Now, there was an older prophet in Bethel, an old prophet, okay, in Bethel, all right? And he heard this from his sons, what had happened, and so he went to find this man of Elohim, okay? So the old prophet caught up with the, uh, with the man and said he was a prophet too and had a word that he should drink and eat, you know, in his house. But he was a lying prophet, it says. Or it doesn't say a lying prophet. It just said that he was lying. So, but if he's a prophet and he lies, he's a lying prophet, right? That's how I would make the connection, right? So, so uh, but yeah, he was a lying prophet, so when the man of Elohim did as Yahuwah, uh, the man of Elohim actually went and ate with this man, okay? And Elohim was um, very upset and angry with him and met up with him. And, and this is what he said. He said, because you rebelled against my command I gave you, your body will not be buried with your fathers, okay? So after that, he, you know, he ate and drank... Uh, and then he left on his donkey. What's that? Yes, and he went, uh, he left on another way. So after that, that he ate and drank, you know, he was killed by a lion, had killed him, but his donkey was not harmed. That's odd, okay? Because if you have a lion, and he's attacking or whatever, he's going to... I think, he, I, to me, he's going to take out everything, right? You know? So, anyhow, so the donkeys uh, wasn't harmed. The old prophet learned, okay, uh, the old prophet learned, uh, learned of this, found the body of the man of Elohim next to the donkey in the lion standing by and buried him in his own personal tomb. So this old prophet took him, buried in his own personal tomb. Now, there is more details. You'll have to go read this for yourself, okay? But I just couldn't resist because we're talking about, or I wanted to talk, I can't say we, I wanted to talk about donkeys today. I think there is a picture of Messiah in this story. A prophet from Judah, a man of Elohim, all right? Simple. Yeshua was a prophet, and he was from the tribe of Judah, right? 
And he was a man of Elohim. Would everyone agree with that, right? And he went, uh, Elohim, speaking to the northern kingdom and their worship practices. Did he not do that? He went to Galilee. And somebody said, no, do this. You know, and he, the other thing, he didn't partake in their practices either. Just like this man of Elohim didn't eat or drink or should not have ate and drank. So we could look at that. We see that picture all the time. You know, uh, this cup, what I need to eat. What he, that's those teachings, you know, in that. Messiah didn't participate in that. So the teachings and the practices. So, you know, Yeshua did not partake in those types of things. He only did what his father told him to do. Okay? He obeyed the commandments from Yah, and he did, he did. He didn't leave the same way that he came in, did he? I think that was pretty interesting, too. So is there a little bit more there? I think so. So this is going to come together for you, I hope, if I present it right. The thought is Messiah riding on a donkey. Uh, is there a deeper meaning or pattern or a representation of of some, um, of some kind that's going on here. So more on donkeys in the biblical time, if you don't mind. That's all I have. So. <laughs> so. so at this point, um, I do want to take if there's any kind of comments. If not, I can continue on. Uh, Joe? Because we'll be getting to Zechariah and some other of these things, but... Okay, uh, when uh, Christ was, uh, when he gave up his uh, uh, body on the cross, heaven was split from the top to the bottom. That a curtain. A, a yeah. curtain. Okay, a curtain, as you know, is a barrier. Yeah. Okay, and in the, old, in the Torah, where when Moses would call up to Mount Sinai to give the law, the Israelites were only able to go to a certain area. Yeah. They couldn't go any fire because there was a curtain, so to speak, a barrier. Okay, and after when God, Jehovah, Elohim, split the curtain from the top to bottom, he opened the way where we can approach the throne of God bodily. There's no more a barrier between us and God, because when Jesus, Jesua, paid the price, he uh, more or less has opened the door where we can have access to the throne of grace. No, I agree. Messiah becomes that veil, that door for us. Um, we have two more over here, and then after that, we can continue on. Who's next? It's Dan, correct? Yeah, yeah. Good to have you back. And, and um, he says, "Don't don't go to the left or go to the right. Mean go go forward, correct. straight. Safe. Don't turn to another side, like the prophet lied to him, and go and eat with him." Yes. He said what he said, and you do what he says. No, and it is interesting, kind of what he's pointing out here. You know, you had this other prophet coming up to him. And, you know, saying, oh, no, I'm a prophet, too, and whatever. But, you know, the bottom line, if you had a word, uh, you know, if you know the commandments, all right, 
We shouldn't have, we see the commandments of what we should do, right? So there should be no institution that comes up and says, you know what, you, I believe in God too, and I don't think we, you really need to do those anymore, right? So that's something to take, yes, Lane. Is it true? You have to, I can't hear you. Have to. Is it true that after the Messiah had died, was resurrected, and, and descended to Shemayim, that the Romans destroyed the temple? Eventually, yes. That, that is what happened. Yeah. So, oh, we'll, hang on, hang on. and uh, where do we reference that? How do we, where do we reference that from? Um, I think Josephus speaks of that, and there's other literature saying that later on how the Romans came in, and, you know, I think in just secular history, we, we know what they've done, you know? Seven, 70 A.D. 70 A.D. So what I want to do is, uh, on this subject of donkeys, we got about 10 minutes, so maybe I can get through this and summarize everything for you. I, I, I got this... Um, I got some information for you. Manners and Customs of the Bible. It's a really interesting book. Uh, I think you can get it online free. That's where I got it. Um, and it gives you insights. I think this is important. Whenever you're doing studies, whatever, look and see how the customs and the things that went on in the Bible. It gives you a lot of insight. The donkey was a pack animal, of course. We see that. Okay? A donkey sometimes used for grinding grain. Okay? A donkey is used for riding. We do see that a lot in Scripture, okay? Uh, before the 10th century B.C., it was, it was used more than any other animal for this purpose, okay? Because they used it a lot, all right? And at that time, the mule came into its use, especially among the rich, but the donkey was continued to be used by, uh, for many year, uh, through many years. Now, we'll talk about the mule, too, because it plays a part in here. Okay, and I think uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. So riding a donkey, this was interesting. We have to think about this. Riding the donkey, not considered a mark of hum uh, humility. Not necessarily, because we see all kinds of people riding these donkeys that had no humility. Okay, now in Zechariah, we do say that he was humble, but riding the donkey didn't make him humble, Okay. That's how I'm doing. He was humble in riding the donkey. So if we kind of back up and look at his humility was him, but yet he was riding a donkey. All right? So that's where, where I kind of went with it. So uh, it's kind of interesting. White donkeys were used by persons of high rank. It was like their BMWs and their Lamborghinis. You know what I mean? It was very highly prized to have a white donkey. Okay? And we see that. Speak ye that ride on uh, white asses, ye that sitteth in judgment, and walk by the way. This is in Judges. These white donkeys are used today in many places in the east by people of high social standing. There are usually larger animals and are, um, uh, and are proposed to be swifter. So these white donkeys seem to be a little bit swifter. So, you know, and kind of rare. So it, it's, it, that's, that's interesting to me. So, and again, mules in, in later Old Testament times. Now, this is interesting. The mule is not mentioned in the Bible until the reign of King David. 
the law of Moses, okay, prohibits the rearing of any animals which uh, will result in the, the union of different species, crossing the seeds. You're not to do that. So a donkey can't reproduce, okay? That's, that's one of the key things I want to point out. The father, or I'm sorry, a mule can't reproduce, okay, because it's been bred with a horse, okay, and it will not reproduce. So that's the key thing. So the, um, uh, so the Jews never bred mules. Actually, I kept the text of what it said in the book, but I would say the Hebrews or the Israelites never bred mules, but eventually they thought the, the law did not prohibit them from using them. And I would agree. A pig's unclean to eat, but if you have a, a pig as a pet, I don't see that that's what the Scripture's talking about. You don't eat the pig, but you can have pet piggy. Okay? That's my opinion. Okay? Further, the days of King David, they came to use the beast of burden for, for the saddle, which is just riding, and they imported uh, from other countries, especially Egypt, including uh, tribute, which King Solomon re received from other nations as a quantity of, of mules, but the rate uh, year by year. So other nations gave uh, King Solomon uh, a tribute, and that, um, that was one of the manners. Uh, this first scripture reference uh, to a mule is connected with the sheep-shearing feast planned by Absalom for the plot against Am um, uh, Ammon. It says, all the king's sons rose, and every one of them got upon his mule and fled. Each prince had a mule for his personal travel use, and thus the animal had taken the place of the donkey for such use, okay? Which... It's kind of interesting, okay? If you start looking at maybe that concept where a donkey produces after like kind, a mule can't produce at all. That's a, there's a drastic difference, especially if you go back to Genesis with like kind opposed to produce, like kind. So, and then I think that gets deeper with other political things and sexual behaviors of individuals as well. But anyhow... As we go, yes, we got time. We're going to do it. Um, I read this from this gentleman, um, and it was on uh, the Jerusalem Post, this website. Now, he had a lot of cool things to say. I just got a couple little quotes, but this is what struck me to do this. Okay, so here it is. So, he, uh, oh, I'm sorry. So here we will start to compound the um, the possible significance of the donkey in the text, and the text in the Bible, and then later with Messiah. Okay. So this is what he he had a interesting uh, thing, but I just took these tidbits. Therefore, we uh, we can then see from this story that the donkey represents the authority of God's word. Meaning, without the authority, the base of support provided by God's word, the prophet would have no power. A king, not rule, and the, uh, and the Bible, just another book. So he's talking about uh, some of the stories Balaam he'd mentioned in this idea. So the donkey, let's go with this idea. The donkey symbolizes the authority of God's word. Okay? King David... King Solomon, Yahshua, and all the prophets are never seen riding a horse. Messiah, not till later on. Okay? 
They were always uh, described as riding donkeys. Um, all the bread that was brought to King David comes on the backs of donkeys. In other words, donkeys represent the base of the support of which God's word reaches the people, either through the message or its written word. So what he's saying is this donkey is a representation of authority because it's car it carries bread, which bread is the word of God, so it carries uh, all this. So, so if we go, we talk about Balaam, the prophet, okay? So Balaam's a prophet, okay? Yet the, the only, uh, it is only the donkey that sees the, mess, the messenger in the way. Isn't that interesting? Balaam didn't, he's the prophet from God, right? It was the donkey. It was the word of God, let's say, or the authority that saw the messenger there, okay? And by the way, he was in a vineyard. Hmm. That was kind of interesting, too. And we just got done talking last week about the vineyard and how important it was, okay? So, so the donkey speaks and reminds Balaam that it is he, right? Didn't the donkey say that? Is he who carried Balaam his whole life? It was me that's carried you. So, in other words, the messenger comes and re emphasizes it's the authority and the word of God who's carried you and made you what you are and gave you the words to speak. Okay? And you want to strike down with the sword, the donkey, the words of Elohim coming to you? Hmm. So. And we know that Balaam didn't learn, and later on, he does. He's caught up, and he's destroyed with um, some of, one of the other nations he was part of. So, so if we are to look at the donkey as the picture and the authority of Elohim's word, does that give us more insight and in what's trying to be conveyed? Okay, so we're going to make it. So we're going to remember Messiah is coming in, and I'm going to compare him to uh, now, King Solomon, okay? Just real briefly. The, the sovereign David, so David's ready to die, and his son Solomon is going to become king, okay? So David said, call Zadok, the righteous priest, okay? And Nathan, the prophet, and um, Ben-Yoyah, son of Yodiah, and they came before the sovereign. And the sovereign said to them, Take with you the servants of your master, and you shall give Solomon, uh, my son, to ride on my mule and take him down to Gibeon. And there, Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet shall anoint him sovereign over Israel and blow the horn and say, let sovereign Solomon live. So we do. We see something. And then later on in 40, and the people came after him, and the people pray, uh, played uh, flutes, rejoiced greatly, and the earth was split by their noise. So it was very noisy. So we have all the same elements just as Yahshua is coming into Jerusalem as well. Okay? The only difference is we have a mule and we have a donkey. Okay? So there are some similarities. Solomon rode a mule, Yahshua a donkey. A mule, I would say, is temporary. 
because it can't reproduce after itself. Versus a donkey who can produce after itself. Okay? Solomon is a prince of shalom. Just as Yeshua also carried that same thing. Go ahead, John. Well, in this back to Matthew, <clears throat> in this story, he also goes in and he, he says, my house will not be a uh, place of thieves. Yes. And he's quoting scripture there. And if you look at the quote there, it's Isaiah 56, 7 is the verse he quotes. But if you read the context of that, it was those that were not, who were polluting the Sabbath, not keeping the Sabbath. I think it was because they were hiring people to do their jobs. Yes. But it, it, that's also the, in the context there is the eunuch, who also, depending on how you describe what that means, can't reproduce like the donkey. Yeah. Like the mule, I mean. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, other stories read about a donkey uh, and what, what the donkey was doing. So uh, thank you, John. So we see there's this relationship, Luke. And as it was coming near already to descend the Mount of Olives, uh, the entire crowd and his taught ones, they praised Elohim, rejoicing with a great noise. So we see these comparisons here. So a donkey carries on its back messiahs, kings, prophets, and even bread, okay? Another story which uh, we can see is King Saul in the first book of Samuel. Saul is looking for his father's donkeys and eventually finds his father's donkeys, and then he is anointed king. And just, just like John pointed out too, Messiah came into Jerusalem, cleaned his dad's house up, right? Just like Solomon. He came in and he anointed and cleaned out that anointed the the temple, okay, again. So, so Yeshua entering Jerusalem on a donkey would mean Elohim in his words supports this man to be the new king for the eternal kingdom. So that's the difference. I see Solomon obviously is a, a prototype or a picture of Messiah. The only thing is Solomon died and his kingdom came down. Was that representation of the mule verse with Zechariah and the prophecy and then what we see behind a donkey being the authority of the word of God, which is eternal. So that's what I would, that's what I wanted to cover. So the image of Jesus entering into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, I believe there's much more behind that picture. I wanted to share that. And if you get a chance, go and read where all these donkeys are. You know, even with, um, with that one we just read, or I gave you a real quick nutshell about uh, that man of Elohim. You know, he was on a donkey, all right? So he had that authority, but then he was, somehow he ended off that donkey and mauled by a lion and killed, but that donkey stood by. So that means that word of God stood and was not destroyed, if we would understand the donkey to be just that, the authority of the Most High's word. So, uh, Joe, I'll let you with your comment, and then we have to close, okay? Give it Here's one second and let the mic come to you. Isn't a donkey more gentle than a mule? Um, and also, uh, 
the era where a mule represents strength and aggressiveness, where a donkey may not exhibit those same characteristics? Um, no, I think they were somewhat equal in that aspect, you know. I'm just looking at the behind, uh, my focus was on one can uh, reproduce, the other couldn't. And I did find out a lot of interesting things about donkeys, and one of them was they're not as stubborn as people say they are. And when they are stubborn, it's due to they see something dangerous and they don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Other than that, they're, I even read that they were in some ways compared to man's best friend with the dog. Because um, uh, if a donkey would hear his master out of somewhere, he would run to him out of a crowd. And I thought that was interesting, especially when I, I think it was Isaiah points out the difference between a donkey knows his master's crib and how's to return. So it's, and there's a lot about that comparing to us not being obedient in, in that sense. A donkey's word of God will do the word of God, where a man doesn't know to do the word of God and to take its authority. So let me close with that. I hope you enjoy that. Father Yehovah, we give you great thanks. We thank you for this day. And Father, as we continue on, help us to understand more and more about you and help us grow before you, Father. We thank you for the blood of your son that brings us back to you and, and empower us with your spirit so we can take your words and live them out before you and before all mankind. We thank you again. Amen. Shabbat shalom to all of you. Those online will be back in about 20 minutes, so please come and join us. So I hope you liked that about the donkeys. Yeah. And there was a lot of jokes in the back of my head while I was doing this. And I'm like, no, no, I can't go that route. Yeah. So I can do that in private with you guys. Some of the stuff is interesting. But, so, but go read that story of, in Kings and just look up where the donkeys are. And, and for yourself, see if that weighs out. The lot that I looked at, it did, you know. So it's just another, another way of looking at the scriptures. Thank you.